Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the House of Commons will hear today from the Ukrainian president. Our support for Ukrainians has led to a level of unity and alignment uh, amongst leaders of democracies around the world. How will Canada respond to Ukraine's calls for help? When I visited Ukraine in February, really just a few weeks ago, I met with countless hardworking, smart people. And all they wanted was to be able to live in peace and freedom. And it is our moral obligation to stand with Ukrainians, and we will leave no stone unturned in our effort to support them. And Patrick Brown and Pierre Poiliev exchange barbs as the conservative leadership race turns nasty. Patrick Brown will say and do anything, uh, but the reality is that uh, he and I disagree on his carbon tax. Uh, Mr. Brown endorses a carbon tax, uh, believes that gas prices should be more expensive. Uh, I can't understand that point of view. It's Tuesday, March 15th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So today, quite a historic moment. Obviously, it arises out of an enormous crisis on a global scale. But we're going to see the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, speaking to a joint session of Canadian Parliament. What do you expect from this? Well, you're right that it's historic uh, in so many ways. You know, we've had many foreign leaders and very famous ones and very important ones through history address Parliament. But this will be the first virtual one. Uh, That's a a first. And we've seen Zelensky's done this. He's done this in the British Parliament. Uh, He will be speaking to Congress uh, in the United States on Wednesday. But Canada is an important stop, and he agreed to this Canadian addressed to Parliament before he um, agreed to do the one in Washington. So, you know, we're trying to figure out who the audience is for this, because he will be speaking to the world, for sure. Uh, But Canada does have 1.4 million Canadians with some Ukrainian descent. And we've seen that this story is it's impossible not to be moving, but it certainly moved Canadians not just because of those ties, but certainly enhanced by the many people have relatives and family and uh, an ancestry there that uh, that is making this connection and what's unfolding there even you know more dreadful. So definitely that you know there there will be um, the galleries. All parties have been asked to invite people into the galleries. We're going to see a full House of Commons. We haven't seen that. For a long time, I expect lots of blue and yellow. The prime minister will introduce him, and then the other opposition leaders uh, will speak. I'm not sure Zelensky will sit around to listen to all of them because he does have other things to be doing. But it is—it's going to be uh, a moment here, uh, an important one. I, you know, we. We've all seen now, we've been going back in in history and thinking of all the historic speeches, and I think this one is going to join the Churchill one. The most famous one, I think, is when Winston Churchill came to Canada in 1941, just as the World War II was really sort of digging in. He came and addressed the Canadian Parliament, and the, the, the speech is now known as the Some Chicken, Some Neck speech. Yeah. 
The other thing it's famous for, by the way, is that Karsh, the photographer, took a photo of him. The photo is famously in the Speaker's Gallery of the Commons. And the look on Churchill's face was snapped because Karsh grabbed the cigar out of his hand. And uh, the, the look on Churchill's face with the cigar out of his hand is a steely, war-eyed look, but it was uh, probably missing the cigar as well as being <laughs> angry at the Germans. Yeah. Anyway, I went and looked up that speech uh, about what he said to Parliament, and he was talking about the fact that Britain had been warned that there was no way they could defeat the Germans alone or fight against the Germans alone. And he'd been warned that in three weeks, England will have her neck wrung like a chicken. Some chicken, some neck, he said. This is after Britain had been in the war for two years. I, I love that reference because it's three weeks. It's just about three weeks that the war has been going on and Ukraine has been fighting alone. And Zelensky's going to be talking about how Ukraine, while it's getting help, he wants more. And we know that NATO is never going to agree, at least as far as we know, to a no-fly zone, which is something he's been asking for. He will want more military aid for the Ukraine, for sure. Canada has been, uh, and Biden, and, and NATO allies have all drawn a red line under getting directly involved in, in the war there. But I think he's going to find a sympathetic ear here in Parliament to, to, uh, to helping defeat. And I would not be surprised if he... he, he he channeled Churchill when he spoke to the British Parliament last week. I would not be when he said he would fight on the end on the you know like on the beaches, like Churchill said. I would not be surprised if he's talking some chicken some neck uh, on uh, on Tuesday as well. Yeah. Now, what what is his ask going to be though? And is Canada in a position to say yes to that? And are other countries in a position to say yes to that? Because, uh, of course. Uh, the Ukrainian government under his leadership has asked for more. And and while there has been a lot of support provided already, there's a line that Western countries don't want to cross because they don't want to provoke an escalating conflict with Russia. Uh, uh, so what do you think about that dynamic of allowing him to speak, make whatever request he's going to make, and then we'll have to decide whether whether we're going to go along with it? The whole response to this, it's a good point. The whole response to this, though, has been a united one. What one NATO country does, the others do as well. And that has been the strength of the response as well. And Canada has been doing a lot, especially with the accepting of refugees, you know, with no limits, certainly with financial aid. What Zelensky's big ask is, is for a NATO response. And Canada, neither Canada nor the United States are in a position to say yes for NATO. And that's the the red line, unfortunately. So I, I think he may have something in particular, I don't know off the top of my head, that, that Canada could be doing more. Certainly, there, there's been an indication, and all indications are from Canada, that our response is phased, you know, more and more sanctions. Right. Much of much of this is being fought on the financial front and on the invisible front. We are fighting a 21st century war, whereas Zelensky is fighting a 20th century war there with, you know, uh, fighting in the streets and, and casualties. That what NATO is doing right now is fighting a 21st century war with banks and sanctions and money that take a little more time 
to unfold. I don't think he's going to get the no-fly zone, and I don't think he's going to get NATO directly involved because, yeah. that, as Joe Biden has said, that means World War III. Yeah. That's not going to happen. But certainly he's going to find a sympathetic ear. My colleague, right. um, Stephanie Levitz, has a good story in the Star today about two MPs uh, from the Toronto area are over there. They've, a conservative and a liberal have flown together. Ali, Ali Ahafi from Willowdale, Scott Davidson, a conservative from York Simcoe, I believe, have gone over to the Ukraine-Polish border to help out, to show that, you know, these two people, these two MPs aren't going to make a difference. But it's, um, it, it's an indication of how much this parliament has come together. And, you know, we've all been asking for a cure for the partisanship plagues politics right now, especially post-election. And this is sort of a lovely example of that, too. The two are over there right now, just doing what they can to help. Yeah. All right. Let's turn from that to the conservative leadership race, which um, it's still almost six months until a leader is going to be chosen. But the race is off to a, a pretty volatile start. There are a lot of barbs flying on social media. Uh, Pierre Polyev and Patrick Brown got into an exchange yesterday uh, and Pierre Polyev uh, called basically called Patrick Brown a liar. Um so uh, what what's that all about, and and what do you think it means for this leadership race that, that many people say is one that needs to unite the Conservative Party around a common purpose? And, and as leadership races often do, this one is going to be a little bit divisive for a while, but this one seems to be particularly nasty in the opening days. I, I agree with you completely. The... Uh... The, the little social media war we saw being fought yesterday between Patrick Brown and Polyev was the kind of thing you usually see in the final days, you know, when things get really ugly. And it was over a very important constituency, which is the uh, immigrants or new Canadians or, um, you know, choose your uh, description of them. It's, it's whether... It's a battle over whether the Conservatives have done enough since they fell out of power to retain and appeal to people who are not the old white, uh, I think Stephen Harper famously called them old stock Canadians. Patrick Brown is reminding people that Pierre Polyev was part of a government that favored a ban on the niqab and, at citizenship ceremonies and the, the infamous now uh, barbaric cultural practices line that turned off so many cultural communities in the 2015 election. Pierre Polyev, on the other hand, is saying that Patrick Brown is lying and that this was not, um, that he's exaggerating about what Harper, the Harper government did and it was not that. That tells you a lot of things, not just how bitter things are between these, these two men, but how important that constituency is in getting new members for the Conservative Party and the voting in this this, uh, this leadership race. Patrick Brown is known as an immensely talented and adept organizer. And Brampton is one of the most culturally diverse communities in Canada, and he's been mayor. And certainly that constituency, the cultural communities around Brampton, around Canada altogether, are going to be very important in this leadership race. And that is an early sign of just how important 
Yeah. All right. It's going to be very interesting to watch. And of course, uh, CPAC will have extensive coverage today of Zelensky's address to a joint session of parliament. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Patrick Brown will say and do anything. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Kelly McParland argues the Conservative leadership race promises to be a nasty one. McParland writes, If anyone was hoping for a civil contest to replace Aaron O'Toole, in which serious people debated differing points of view in a respectful manner, this doesn't look to be it. Pierre Poilievre's slash-and-burn tactics are being used against fellow Conservatives rather than the Liberals. His people take no prisoners, leaving the bodies on the battlefield even if they might bleed a little bit of blue. In the Hill Times, Susan Riley argues it's time to take Pierre Poilievre seriously, no matter how unserious he seems. Riley writes, Those who believe a Prime Minister Pierre Poilievre is unthinkable had better start thinking. He is not simply a buffoon, although there are buffoonish aspects to his political style. He is a slippery operator, hitting upon issues of immediate concern to Canadians, then blaming Justin Trudeau for all of it and more. Progressive Canadians need to respond with verve, flash, and conviction. Poiliev's rivals, on all fronts, better stoop to conquer, or they are going to lose. In the line, Mitch Heimpel considers what it will take to fix Canadian military procurement. He writes... To say we have a checkered history with military procurement fails to capture exactly how bad it is. Our political leadership has failed us continuously over the course of half a century. We need a prime minister who takes a more capable Canadian forces seriously and is willing to see it through. But the cost is prohibitive. Political staff do not think in four-year project terms. And fewer and fewer Canadians with the kind of background you need to manage a project this size want anything to do with professional politics. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. As we mentioned, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, will address the House of Commons. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And Minister of Fisheries Joyce Murray is attending the Seafood Expo North American in Boston, Massachusetts. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March 15th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.